Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. following the story of Joseph in the book of Genesis and I absolutely love this story it's just so full of twists and turns it sometimes feels like you're in an episode of EastEnders as you're reading this story it's just so full um, of kind of loads of different dramatic things that happen it's a story of a teenage boy who receives a dream from God and basically all that happens as a result of this dream it's a story about waiting about holding on to hope in tough times And it's a story about having blind faith in the midst of adversity. So we want to cover the story of Joseph over the coming weeks in our evening services because his story is one that we believe can serve as an example to us of how to remain faithful to God because God has been so faithful to us. Joseph's life circumstances were incredibly difficult. He was sold into slavery He was accused of having an affair with someone else's wife and then he was thrown into prison. And then after that, his life suddenly takes an 180 degree turn and he was given a really high position of privilege. He was a ruler over Egypt. So that that would have come with its own challenges as well. Joseph is is really an example of someone that lived through such a roller coaster journey of life and yet he remained faithful to God. So we're going to read... Um, our passage uh, for this evening which comes from Genesis chapter 37 verses 1 to 11. It says Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph a young man of 17 was tending the flocks with his brothers the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah his father's wives and he brought their father a bad report about them. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he'd been born to him in his old age and he made an ornate robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brother said to him, Do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream and he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream. And this time the sun and moon and eleven stars were bowing down to me. When he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. So in this opening snippet of the story of Joseph, we learn that Joseph um, was born to Israel and he'd been born to him quite late on in Israel's life. So he was his favourite child. We also learn that Joseph was a young man of just 17 years old and that he had a few brothers who basically were jealous of him. And the verses say that uh, they actually hated him. So he's got some pretty dodgy family dynamics going on in this story. And we, we then learn that he has a dream, which he pretty arrogantly tells his brothers about. And in this dream, they're bowing down to him 
and his brothers don't take this very well, as you can imagine. Now, the story continues and there are loads of twists and turns and things that were that, that happened to Joseph that we're going to cover um, in the coming weeks in our series. But today we're just going to focus on dreams and and a few things in particular about God-given dreams. Firstly, that that God gives us dreams in the mess. Secondly, that God uses our dreams to develop us. And finally, that Jesus was the ultimate fulfilment of this narrative. So Joseph was a bit of a tattletale. He told his father untrue stories about his brothers, but yet his father, but yet he was his fa- his father's favorite son because he'd been born to him in his old age. But his brothers absolutely hated this. They hated him. Joseph has this dream and tells it to his brothers, and and in the dream his brothers are bowing down to him. Now, I'm guessing many of us in the room this evening probably have siblings. Now, how would you feel if your little brother or your little sister told this to you? I, I don't think it would go down that well, would it? Then he has another dream that the sun, moon and stars were all bowing down to him. Now, I think at this point, if I was Joseph's older sister, at this point, I would have probably told him to pipe down. This is kind of getting ridiculous. And then when he tells his, his father and his brothers about the dream, his father rebuked him but it says that he kept the matter in mind. So Joseph was a dreamer and God's people have always been dreamers. As long as God has been in relationship with his people, he's been giving them dreams. It's it's a way that he communicates with his people. All the way throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, we see God speaking to his people through dreams and prophetic visions. Now, not just um, dreams when you're asleep, but also in the broader sense, maybe a vision about the future or a prophetic picture or an idea. It could be a career choice, um, marriage, a character trait that you want to have, a justice issue, business you want to start, or maybe a church you want to plant. But I'm guessing that for most people here, there is at least some kind of dream in your heart, maybe even more than one. The odds are that at least some of that dream is from the Spirit of God. Now, it's also really important to weigh these things up and and pray on them before deciding it's from God and kind of just running with it. But we can be encouraged in knowing that God speaks today and he uses our dreams to do this. Dreams are how God leads us into our identity and calling to be who God created us to be. This site of our church, CCM Fallowfield, all began with a dream or or a prophetic vision that the leaders had to plant a church right here in the heart of the most studenty area in Manchester. And as a church, we have the dream and the desire to see loads and loads of students come to know God as their personal father and saviour. And over the years since this site was planted, that is what's happened. God has grown this community and multiplied it and we have sites popping up all over Manchester because of dreams and desires that God plants in people's hearts in this church. But you can ask Tim, I'm sure he'd love to tell you um, about some of the the stories from the really early days of CCM Fallowfield when they met in a vodka bar and there were about six members of CCM Fallowfield at that time. Dreams can be a tricky thing to live with because there's always a gap between the dream and the fulfilment of that dream. Now, that gap might be a few days long or a few months long um, or even a few years long or decades long. But in that gap, we can all go through this this process from from hope to anticipation and faith all the way to despair and impatience, doubt and cynicism and disappointment. Enter the story of Joseph. 
The story of Joseph and the dreams that he had is anything but an easy, linear journey of fulfilling the plans that God had for him. As we will see in later weeks, Joseph's family dynamics get even worse and he's sold into slavery by his brothers um, and then he's wrongly accused of having an affair with someone else's wife and is thrown into prison. This is anything but a beautiful testimony time story of how God has neatly worked everything out in this guy's life and how he ended up living happily ever after. It looked messy. And so I want to start today by talking about how when we receive a dream from God, often things don't suddenly fall into place for us perfectly, but actually we can expect that they could get quite messy. Verse five in our passage says, Joseph had a dream and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. There it is, plainly and simply. Joseph has a dream and already it's messing things up for him. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that God leads us into messy situations, but rather that God uses us and speaks to us about how we fit into his plan. And often because we're broken human beings and we live in a broken world, the outworking of that can get messy. Because for Joseph, that journey like I said, that journey from the dream to the fulfilment of the dream is anything but a straight line. It's it's more um, of like a zigzag. It's like three steps forward, two steps back. It's a very long and hard journey that in the end is worth it, but in the middle is quite painful. A few years ago, I had a dream um, whilst I was asleep that I was standing in a church surrounded by Spanish speakers singing worship songs in Spanish. Now, at that time, I thought maybe this dream was just a remnant of some of um, the dreams I'd had as a result of living in a Spanish-speaking country on my year abroad. But after a couple of years, I kind of realised that I did have um, this desire within me to start up a Spanish-speaking church meeting. Now, I believe that was a dream from God, whether or not I knew that at the time. And it was a dream that has started me on a journey. And, And that journey, as Beth, who helps me lead it, can testify has had many twists and turns in it. We've had to make various changes as we've gone through the process of trying to get a meeting started. We started off last year meeting with a group of Spanish speakers in Rochdale. And after a while, we realised that wasn't really where God was was leading us. And so we made some changes and now have some meetings. Um, we, we meet here at Luther King House with the vision of having a whole congregation of Spanish speakers, which we're really, really excited about. And there have been challenges and encouragement on this journey. But what I believe we can learn from the story of Joseph in this context is that God works through and in those challenges. Joseph was 17 years old when he received his dream from God. His family dynamics were messy. His life didn't look necessarily like the life of someone who would play a big role in God's plan. I wonder what messy circumstances in your life perhaps hold you back from believing that God wants to use you and he wants to lay dreams and desires on your heart to help build his kingdom. So let's be believers who start listening. Maybe you're here tonight and you're thinking to yourself, I genuinely don't have a dream. I really don't know what God wants me to do. I haven't dreamt up something in the night or felt a a burning passion for a certain people group. That's totally okay. But a place to start is by listening to God, looking at what he has put in front of you and being open to what he might be saying to you. And this can come through many different things. Firstly, don't disqualify yourself or the things that you care about. Joseph was a 17 year old shepherd boy who ended up 
becoming a godly leader who was second to Pharaoh in Egypt. He didn't start out having it all together and knowing exactly where God was taking him. But even when things got really hard for Joseph, he remembered his dream and held on to hope. So what are some of the things that you care about? God loves us to dream with him. Maybe you've just come to university this week and you're studying something that you care about. That's a desire right there. Look at what God has put in your hands. Maybe you feel drawn to lonely people and you want to be someone who practices hospitality and kindness in a countercultural way. Maybe you want to serve God by being a doctor or being a light for God in a bank or a supermarket. Or maybe you want to start a business that uses godly business strategies. All these things can be done for the glory of God. So don't disqualify any dream or any idea that God puts on your heart. Secondly, look at what God has put in front of you. Who are some of the people who are in your circle right now? Pray for them. Pray for your friends at uni or at work. Pray for the issues going on in our world at the moment that you care about and ask God to give you a perspective and a vision for your life that he has. And you can expect that he will speak. I was listening recently to a podcast from um, the Broadcast Network, which is a platform that's run by CCM that has loads of incredible content that you can access for free if you want to learn about church planting or God's big vision for the world. Um, and as I was listening to um, a guy talking about his... And I was sorry, I was listening to a guy talking about his experience of feeling called to plant a church in Sweden. And he said that he'd done a year abroad in Sweden as part of his university course many years earlier and that he'd come home from Sweden basically having had quite a nice time but with no plans to go back. And then about 10 years later, he was at a conference, a Christian conference, and his wife was also there who was about eight months pregnant and she definitely had absolutely no plans to up and move their life abroad. But this guy suddenly felt his heart break for the nation of Sweden. He said he was just crying in the middle of this conference. It just came to his mind that he had to go and move his family there to plant a church. And so that's what they did. God speaks today and we can expect that he will speak to us and give us dreams and visions and ideas for things that perhaps we wouldn't ordinarily have had. Secondly, what's clear from the story of Joseph is that God uses our dreams to develop us as Christians. As we said, Joseph has this amazing picture of his family bowing down to him. But in that moment, he does not see the slave trade. He does not see the famine or the years in prison. He sees all of the good and none of the bad. And we do this. If you're anything like me, when you get a dream or a vision or an idea for the future, you just romanticise the heck out of it. Often these dreams are all kind of warm and fuzzy and look beautiful and wonderful and everything's just working out so smoothly. It's almost like we put Photoshop over the whole thing in our minds. It's so easy to romanticise the future, whether that's a job you want to have, marriage, a thing you want to do for God. We think that life is almost like this straight, linear route upwards to success. Like life will just keep on getting better and better and better, right? That's the way it should be. But life just isn't like that for the most part. I wonder how many people here have had a time in their life when something either hasn't been as simple or as straightforward as you'd imagined it to be, or something hasn't even happened yet or gone the way that you'd planned. This happens all the time. We don't live in a Hollywood version of life, and so when we have dreams from God, we cannot expect them to play out in seamless and beautiful Hollywood style. 
What we learn from the story of Joseph is that his dreams were fulfilled, but played out in a very different way than perhaps he had expected. John Mark Comer said, I have learnt the hard way that when I have when I have a dream from God, I should expect it firstly to come to pass, and secondly for it to materialise quite differently than what I had expected. Joseph sees a little in his dream, but he's blind to a lot, and dreams are often like that. When we get a dream, whether it's a dream in the night, or a prophetic vision, or an idea that really excites you, you might get about 10% of it, or a little bit more, but there are whole chunks that are missing. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, 12, this is from the New Living Translation. Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete. But then I will know everything completely, just as God now knows me completely. Paul is saying that on this side of heaven, we just don't get to see the full picture. Christian writer N.T. Wright says all prophecies about the future are signposts pointing into the fog. Vaguely, it's, it's this way and that's all you get. It's not a clear picture. It's blurry. And this can be frustrating, can't it? And that's because the point of a dream is not to tell you what the future is going to be. It's to tell you how to live in the present. God uses our dreams and our ideas that we have to help shape us and form us into the people that he created us to be. I remember when I was a kid, I had the dream um, of being an author, and I had completely decided at the grand old age of 10 that that was what I was going to devote my whole life to. But as a very mature 10-year-old, I knew that if I wanted to see this happen, I couldn't just sit about and wait for it to happen. I joined a creative writing club at school, started writing stories in my free time, which were even illustrated, I might add. My dream for the future dictated how I lived in the present and that is how God wants us to view our dreams what small or big things can we start doing today to get us closer to the dream or vision that God has given us because God won't hand us a dream on a plate that is fully finished and ready to go he wants to go on the journey with us and watch us grow and develop in trust in him as we do so this is why I believe God seems to be pretty against his people knowing the future There's an ancient sin that we read about all the way through the Old Testament called divination, where men and women would work out the future through a witch or a spiritist or a medium of some kind. uh, and, And divination is still alive and well today. Why is that? Because there's a human fascination in all of us, whether it's in the occult or in the church, to want to know the future. Whether it's through palm reading, an astrologer or a long range business plan, we want to know the future. Why is that? Because we want to be in control. But God doesn't want that for us. He wants us to trust. This is something that we all battle with a lot, right? Simply trusting God. Sometimes it's, it's really hard to believe that God will bring to fruition the dream or desire that he's put inside of you, especially because it can often look or feel like the odds are just stacked up against you. But God wants us to trust him. This is why God will rarely ever tell you exactly what is going to happen in the future. Instead, he will give you just enough about tomorrow to show you how to live today. This is what you should focus on. This is where your attention should be. In Matthew 6, it says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, 
but tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. We direct our minds and hearts onto serving God in every way we can. We seek his kingdom and we let God worry about the rest. We don't need to let having a dream or a vision for our lives become this, this heavy burden that hangs over us like a weight. We can pray simple prayers like, God, just would you help me to build your kingdom today through whatever opportunities you give me? Or God, show me what's coming so I know where to direct my efforts and my attention. This story of Joseph receiving a dream from God is, is such a brilliant example of how God speaks to us in our mess. He speaks to us despite us. But also it's a lesson in how you and I are to live well in the gap between God giving us a dream and the fulfilment of that dream. So let's be believers who hold on to the promises of God and hold on to the dreams that God has given us, even when the going gets tough, because there is so much that God wants to teach us in this in-between stage. So God gives us dreams and visions for the future, even in our mess and in our messy circumstances. And also he uses dreams to tell us how to live today. And finally, in the story of Joseph, we see the humility and the mercy of Jesus. Now, I love the book of Isaiah because it's it's full of prophetic visions of the coming Jesus. And similarly, in the book of Zechariah that we've studied recently as a church, Zechariah receives a series of dreams from God that point to the coming Jesus and the end of people trying to atone for their sins themselves. These prophecies were recorded hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus arrived, some of them even detailing that he would ride into Jerusalem on a donkey, exactly as he did. Utterly mind-blowing stuff. But similar to how some of our dreams can look, perhaps the fulfilment of these prophecies looked slightly different when they were actually played out. Did people really expect the saviour of the world to be born in a really dirty stable next to sheep and cows? Did they expect him to be born to a virgin, 14-year-old girl? Probably not. Jesus fulfilled every single one of the prophecies written about him in humility and love. The promise of the seed who would bless the world was fulfilled in him, and he is rightly the one to whom every knee will bow, and yet he came with the utmost humility. And rather than rubbing his glory in our faces, he chose instead to take the lowest place and serve, even submitting himself to death on a cross. He came into our world to bridge that gap between us and God. God was so compelled by love that he needed to be close to his people. He needed to provide some way to atone for sin. And so he did this by sending his only son to the cross. Now, I don't know what situation or mess you've come to church living in tonight. Maybe you just feel so far past worthy of God's love. And even listening to a preach on God speaking through dreams feels kind of irrelevant to you. But I just want to encourage you this evening that God is so full of love and mercy for you that he wants to fill your heart with hope and dreams for the future by his Holy Spirit. It says in Romans 15 verse 13, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit.